It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Ah, the search for love. Besides putting yourself out there to begin with, little can be done to control how and when you will find a mate. And when it comes to the mechanics of romance, one day really throws a wrench in the gear. Valentine's Day. A day steeped in erotic history and pious anecdotes, not to mention obligatory mating rituals. For those on the dating scene, this holiday can induce a feeling of panic. For some, it's akin to a deadline, pressuring you to speed up the process so that you aren't left without a valentine. At other times, it comes too late, forcing you to stay longer in a doomed relationship out of pity. You don't want to be that person who breaks up with someone right before Valentine's Day. Still, others relish Valentine's Day as the perfect time for a split. It allows for some extra knife twisting, sometimes literally. Celebrate or ignore it, but come February 14th, love will be in the air. Or loneliness. Or revenge. Welcome to The Dark Side Of, a ParCast original, a show where we will delve into the seedy underbelly of pop culture icons and historical events. We aim to expose the ugly truth behind cultural moments and public figures we hold most dear, proving that there is always more to the story than meets the eye. I'm your host, Richard. And I'm Kate. This is our fourth episode on the dark side of dating. The quest for love may seem like a celebratory, beautiful thing, but its romanticized image conceals all kinds of unpleasant truths. At Parcast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. You can find all episodes of The Dark Side Of and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream The Dark Side Of for free on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type The Dark Side Of in the search bar. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help us. Today, we'll investigate the brutal history of Valentine's Day. From pagan festival to consumerist holiday, this celebration has emerged as one of the most mandatory yet suspicious days of the year. Chocolate and flowers are just a few of its touchstones. Others include heartbreak and cold-blooded murder. It's a fact learned in childhood. Not everyone is going to pick you. Whether on the handball court or in the classroom, we quickly learn that certain kids have a je ne sais quoi that we don't. 
Perhaps no other event exacerbates this inequality like the yearly rituals of February 14th. Valentine's Day, a date that makes the average kindergarten teacher tense up. Every year, it's akin to a popularity contest. Small children arrive at school excited to pass out handcrafted valentines and hoping to receive just as many. Some kids have spent hours laboring over special notes. Others haul bags of Hershey's Kisses taped onto store-bought valentines. In either case, it's the thought that counts. And when you get fewer cards than little Bobby, you can't help but feel that it's personal. Even for less sensitive children, this can be a crushing experience. Soaring expectations can crash and burn in a matter of minutes. In an effort to avoid this disaster, students are often instructed to bring enough cards for everyone. But as soon as middle school hits, Valentine's Day plunges into full anarchy. Gone are the days of parents and teachers trying to even the playing field. In fact, adults seem to make matters worse. There are official Valentine's Day dances, where students have the option to bring a date. For many, this is their first experience asking someone out. Any mixture of awkward slow songs, itchy garments, and an uneven number of girls versus boys can lead to a humiliating experience. Not to mention the issue of popularity. You may come armed with valentines for your pals, only to find that few, if any, did the same for you. Or worse, your friends might be preoccupied with their boyfriends or girlfriends, leaving little time for you. By high school, even more teenagers are coupled up. Stuffed animals, chocolates, and grocery store flowers are paraded up and down the halls like some sort of cruel circus. On this one day of the year, it's easy to feel like everyone is more loved and in love than you are. And this sentiment carries over well into adulthood. While not every holiday is celebrated by everybody, New Year's is practically the only one that is, the general observance of Valentine's Day is impossible to avoid. Red and pink banners cover websites, and shops and businesses are decked out with glittery hearts. Even your local drugstore clears an aisle for the festivities. This mass marketing seems to be effective. As of 2019, it's estimated that a whopping 51% of Americans celebrate the holiday. And last year, the overall national spending was projected at over $20 billion. In 2019, hundreds of couples were married on Valentine's Day in a mass wedding that's become an annual tradition in Bear County, Texas. Meanwhile, a total of 9 million proposals were expected on the Day of Love. All this talk of love can be insulting for both happy and unhappy singles. Patronizing articles instruct you to get out there and give love a chance or they encourage you to make the most of it by spending time with loved ones. In the face of so much cultural nudging, some prefer, or pretend, to ignore the holiday altogether. They refuse to acknowledge their co-workers' roses 
or to share their roommate's chocolate. It's no coincidence that high-grossing horror movies launch every year on Valentine's Day, giving individuals without partners a chance to evade the annual rom-com release. In the theater next door, happy couples and masochistic singles watch as two lonely but beautiful characters fall in love. Meanwhile, you are noshing on popcorn and watching someone's throat get slit. Other singles openly scorn Valentine's Day, ridiculing its consumerism and garish trappings. They seem pleased with themselves for rising above the madness. Nonetheless, these nonchalant or disdainful attitudes can be a bit suspicious to everyone else. Are you really as indifferent as you say you are, or are you just bitter? As one indicator, last year one in six Americans were expected to buy a Valentine present for themselves. The average amount for these consolation prizes was $235. Clearly, the prompt to show love to a special someone has taken a navel-gazing turn, if not a self-pitying one. And recently, another life preserver has been thrown into the mix. Singles Awareness Day conveniently falls on February 15th. Its purpose is to reclaim all the pride that's been stripped by Valentine's Day, a time to celebrate autonomy and self-appreciation. After all the lovey-dovey madness, singles will have the last word. And yet the acronym for Singles Awareness Day is S-A-D. Not to mention, this day tends to be more about a hatred for Valentine's Day than a celebration in its own right. After all that effort to get away from Valentine's Day, you can end up right where you started, discussing it all over again. Many singles do succumb to the pressure to find a mate. Tinder saw a 20% increase in new users on Valentine's Day 2018, and Match.com saw an identical uptick over the following week. In one survey of over 2,000 singles, more than half of them said they would be open to a casual hookup on Valentine's Day. That's a lot of people who don't want to be alone. But the fact remains, if you're not in a relationship come February 14th, there's not a whole lot you can do to ensure you'll have a date. For many singles, it ends with the classic Valentine's Day antithesis. One long, uneventful day filled with loneliness, takeout, and a bottle of wine. Psychotherapist Hilda Burke reports, many singletons imagine their coupled-up counterparts are having a better time of it, particularly on Valentine's Day. It's human nature to think that the grass is always greener. These speculations can lead you to wonder whether there's any concrete reason that others get to be in a relationship and you don't. Some people question if there's something inherently wrong with them, as if their relationship status speaks to a fatal flaw. It's a dark rabbit hole to go down, considering that Valentine's Day is just an arbitrary day. But it's not the only rabbit hole the holiday offers. For some singles, it serves as a painful reminder of less solitary times. 
For those who have previously been in relationships, Valentine's Day can feel like salt in the wound. There's an added loneliness to the holiday as you remember a time when you did have someone to celebrate it with, even if you're ultimately relieved that the relationship is over. Which brings us to yet another dilemma, when to break up. For those testing the waters of a current relationship, early February adds pressure to make up your mind. Do you really want to demonstrate your so-called love for a person you're on the fence about? And for those who have made up their mind to call things off, there's the problem of when to do it. Is it too mean to break up with someone when Valentine's Day is just around the corner? We've all heard about cruel lovers who leave their partner high and dry just in time for Valentine's Day. It's a stereotype few people want to be associated with. And yet, it may be more in keeping with the real Valentine's Day than candy hearts and teddy bears. The very earliest origins of the holiday are brutal, to say the least. Most people have heard of St. Valentine, the patron saint of lovers. But few are aware of his gruesome death. And even fewer know that his special day was created to mask an even darker holiday. Animal sacrifice, blood blessings, and whippings are just some of the activities on the calendar. Up next, the suspect origins of Valentine's Day. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click gift mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Now back to the story. Every year, millions of people plan to spend Valentine's Day without a partner. Whether you're trying to drum up plans or simply bracing yourself to be all alone, the subject of love is on everyone's brain. According to Slovene folk tradition, birds get married to each other on Valentine's Day. And in Norfolk, England, children eagerly anticipate the arrival of Jack Valentine, a sort of Santa Claus character who leaves candy and small gifts on their doorsteps. But Valentine's Day isn't recognized by everyone in the world. In fact, in Belgorod, Russia, public Valentine's Day festivities are banned. A decision made by the local government with the Archbishop's blessing. The reason? Spiritual security. This cryptic yet fearful rationale seems to condemn the more promiscuous connotations of the day. The Victoria's Secret aspect, if you will. Flirtation, seduction, sex. 
It isn't a far-fetched observation when you consider the licentious origins of Valentine's Day. Trace it back far enough, and you'll arrive at Lupercalia. Lupercalia was an ancient Roman feast held from February 13th to 15th, and it honored a twisted myth. According to legend, Rhea, a demigoddess, was forced to become a celibate priestess by her wicked uncle, King Amulius. He had killed Rhea's father and wanted to ensure that no heirs would usurp his throne. But Rhea soon became pregnant with twins. Some said the father was a god, either Mars or Hercules. But according to the Roman historian Livy, Rhea had conceived after being brutally raped. Rhea pleaded with King Amulius to be merciful to her unborn children, but nothing could move her uncle's cold heart. As soon as her twins Romulus and Remus were born, King Amulius ordered that they be drowned. Fortunately, a servant took pity on the two brothers. He hid them in a basket in the forest, which was soon discovered by a female wolf. She carried the twins to her cave where she raised them. Romulus and Remus eventually slew their evil uncle. Then they founded the city of Rome near the cave where they grew up. While the story of a wicked king trying to kill his nephews seems rather dark, it was also the origin story of Rome. And the Romans honored this strange history during Lupercalia. The festival was named in honor of the she-wolf, or Lupa, who saved the two brothers, as well as Lupercus, god of sheep fertility. It was a time of purification, which the ancient Romans believed would lead to better crops and healthy babies. And it was bizarre. The party began on Palatine Hill inside the wolf's cave. Priests, known as the Luperci, made animal sacrifices, goats to symbolize sexuality, and dogs for fertility. The bloody sacrificial knife was then wiped onto the foreheads of two naked Luperci. Next, it was washed off with a strip of wool soaked in milk while both priests laughed hysterically. This grotesque ceremony was followed by a giant feast, after which the drunk Luperci ran naked through the fields of Rome. They held strips of bloody goat hides, which were thought to make the crops more abundant. Next, the nude priests turned their attention to the Roman females. They rushed through the streets, slapping any woman in their path with the raw skins. The ladies welcomed the whippings, believing it would increase their fertility. Now they were ready for the main attraction, mating. On the first evening of Lupercalia, unmarried women would place their names in a jar for bachelors to draw from. The resulting couples participated in erotic games and they stayed together for the duration of the three-day festival. These matches often ended in marriage and, of course, Roman babies. While we don't know specifically what sensual games would happen during Lupercalia, we do know the ancient Romans were not afraid of their sexuality. 
Orgies, underage sex, and all sorts of scandalous behavior may have been permitted. To our modern eyes, this scene would have been shocking. Lupercalia may be the earliest version of Valentine's Day, but it's a far cry from the holiday we recognize now. Candy hearts and love notes have long since replaced animal sacrifices and random matchmaking. Nonetheless, the colors red and white remind us of the blood and milk from Lupercalia's rituals. And of course, the theme of matrimony has endured throughout history. But what really cemented February 14th in history is the tale of one man, Saint Valentine. The historical validity of Saint Valentine is muddled to say the least, but his reputation as the patron saint of lovers has far outlived any concrete facts about his identity. The popular version of the story focuses on Saint Valentine of Rome, one of several Valentines who lived during the brief reign of Roman Emperor Claudius Gothicus from 268 to 270 CE. The emperor had outlawed any new marriages, believing that young men would make more enthusiastic soldiers if they didn't have a wife and family to worry about. Anyone caught performing nuptials would be put in prison. But love would have its way. Allegedly, Valentine performed secret marriage ceremonies until he was arrested by Claudius. As the story goes, during his imprisonment, St. Valentine healed the blind daughter of one of his judges. Some say that he even fell in love with her, although there's no proof this part is true. Regardless, there was no happy ending for Valentine. On February 14th, 270 CE, he was sentenced to death. According to legend, St. Valentine wrote his last letter to the judge's daughter. It was signed, From Your Valentine. If this is true, it would have been the very first Valentine's card. But the ending of the story is far less sweet. St. Valentine's death was threefold. First, he was savagely beaten, then cruelly stoned, and at last, beheaded. The tale has a gruesome finale, but it was preferable to the bloody rituals and erotic games of Lupercalia, according to the Catholic Church. As Rome gradually swayed toward Christianity, the pagan holiday was discouraged, until finally in 496 CE, Pope Galatius I replaced it altogether. He established February 14th as a feast day to honor St. Valentine of Rome. At least Valentine was Christian and fit into the church's mold of the pious martyr, even if his death was a bit gory. But while the story makes for a sweet holiday, historians are still debating whether Valentine of Rome actually performed marriage ceremonies at all. There's no evidence besides hearsay. Most likely, St. Valentine of Rome was arrested for totally different reasons. To make matters worse, we aren't even sure that St. Valentine was one person. He may be a composite of Valentine of Rome and one or more other Valentines who were executed during this time period. 
Even the Catholic Church is aware of this possible crossover. In 1969, St. Valentine of Rome was removed from the Church's liturgical calendar because his history is so vague. But in spite of all this imprecision, we still celebrate Valentine's Day. Why? The answer may be due to yet a third St. Valentine. UCLA professor Henry A. Kelly notes that Valentine's Day was never mentioned as a romantic holiday until the 14th century, when medieval poet Geoffrey Chaucer penned these lines in a love poem. For this was on St. Valentine's Day, when every fowl cometh there to choose his mate. According to Professor Kelly, it's very possible that Chaucer was actually referring to a different feast held in honor of St. Valentine of Genoa. His celebration was held in early May, a much more likely time for birds to be mating than in February. It's likely that Chaucer was simply using the May feast as a setting for his love story, inadvertently associating St. Valentine of Genoa with romance for all of eternity. From a pagan festival to a sketchy story about a saint, the notion of Valentine's Day has stuck with us through the centuries. By the 1700s, the practice of sending love notes was so entrenched in Western culture that an anthology was published in London. It was called The New English Valentine Writer or The High Road to Love for Both Sexes, containing a complete set of valentines. The book offered helpful poems and other morsels to help you woo your lover, setting an early precedent for what would become a billion-dollar corporate industry. Today, Americans spend an estimated $933 million on valentines every year making it the second most popular holiday for greeting cards after Christmas. Money can't buy you love, as some of the greeting cards are sure to say, but it can buy you a tried and true way of expressing your love. And you can thank the Brits for that weird winged baby staring back at you from the Hallmark card aisle. In the 1800s, during the reign of Queen Victoria, Cupid became a popular decoration for love notes and boxes of chocolate. He was remembered as the Roman god of desire, affection, and erotic love. But the real Cupid is not quite the smiling, chubby character we know him to be. In fact, he was known to cause marital rifts. Lucius Apuleius, a Roman author from the 2nd century, wrote, Winged Cupid, rash and hardy, who by his evil manners, condemning all public justice and law, armed with fire and arrows, running up and down in the nights from house to house, and corrupting lawful marriages of every person, doth nothing but evil. By shooting his arrows into the hearts of the gods and goddesses, Cupid could play with their emotions. He was no more conscientious in his personal life, either. His marriage to Psyche was inconsiderate, to say the least. According to myths, he wouldn't allow his wife to see his face. 
One night, Psyche made the grave mistake of looking at her husband. Seething with rage, Cupid left her. To win back his affection, Psyche endured a series of brutal tasks laid out for her by Cupid's jealous mother, Venus. Only then did her estranged husband accept her back. From a genealogical standpoint, Cupid's actions are unsurprising. His mother was Venus, and his father was Mars, god of war. As they say, all is fair in love and war. But while this dichotomy is the premise for many romance stories, it's also the rationale of far more sinister events. Valentine's Day isn't always punctuated by a candlelit dinner, wine, and hanky-panky. For some lovers, death is on the menu. Up next, true love becomes true crime. Now back to the story. In spite of its barbaric origins and shady backstory, Valentine's Day has emerged as one of the largest celebrations of the year. Just as you recover from the exhaustion of the Christmas holidays, you're attacked by the pressures of romance. This time of year can be especially harrowing, and for some, it can lead to criminal behavior. In 2014, 22-year-old Ramsey Fakuri wanted nothing more than to propose to his girlfriend on Valentine's Day. There was just one problem. He didn't have cash for a ring. Thankfully, his girlfriend worked at a bank in Highland, Illinois, and she knew all the ins and outs of how money was handled at her branch. Ramsey asked his unwitting sweetheart about the bank's procedure for filling ATMs. She shared the information while Ramsey and an accomplice listened in on speakerphone and took notes. On February 14th, Ramsey and his crime partner held up a bank worker who was stocking an ATM outside. They stole a total of $26,000. It wasn't until Ramsey's girlfriend saw the footage of the robbery that he was identified. While Ramsey thought proposing on Valentine's Day was worth robbing a bank over, his girlfriend was clearly on a different wavelength. And this isn't the first time couples have expected different outcomes from Valentine's Day. In 2010, 38-year-old Stacy Sheck was determined to leave her husband, Richard. But she also wanted to collect his $700,000 life insurance policy. And this isn't the first time couples have expected different outcomes from Valentine's Day. In 2010, 38-year-old Stacy Sheck was determined to leave her husband, Richard. But she also wanted to collect his $700,000 life insurance policy. So she settled on the one solution that would give her both outcomes. Murder. Sheck hired a personal trainer turned hitman known as Mr. Results to do the deed for $10,000. On Valentine's Day, Sheck lured her husband Richard to a secluded park. When he arrived for the rendezvous, he didn't find his wife waiting with a box of chocolates. Instead, he found Mr. Results waiting with a gun. 
One of the most famous Bloody Valentine's Day massacres happened in 1920. Seven members of Chicago's Northside gang were surprised by rival gangsters disguised as police officers. The imposters staged an arrest by lining their victims up against the wall. But instead of a routine pat-down, the gangsters were assaulted by 70 rounds of ammunition. The murders were suspected to have been ordered by Al Capone, the sworn enemy of the Northside gang's crime boss, Bugs Moran. Police did their best to round up Capone's henchmen for questioning. Among them was 26-year-old Jack Machine Gun McGurn. But McGurn had the perfect alibi. He told police that he had been at a hotel with his girlfriend, Louise Rolfe. Supposedly, they were busy celebrating Valentine's Day at the time the murders happened. The officers were unconvinced, and they were determined to make McGurn's girlfriend testify. But before they could get her to the stand, she and McGurn eloped. Louise Rolfe was no longer required to testify against her new husband. The press nicknamed her Blonde Alibi. Without her testimony, McGurn was never called to trial. Perhaps it's no surprise Valentine's Day has been the scene of many crimes. The many stressors surrounding the holiday can intensify a person's tendency toward violence. One of these is the Valentine's Day paradox of the expected surprise. People want their lover to delight them with special gifts and to plan something unexpected. But Valentine's Day itself is extremely predictable. It has to be celebrated on February 14th, and it's surrounded by prescribed artifacts like chocolate hearts and flowers. To most, celebrating Valentine's Day at a different time would be like celebrating New Year's Eve on a different day. It simply defeats the point and celebrating it without a gift would be criminal. And yet, of the people who celebrate Valentine's Day, 32% purchase their gifts the week before, and 9% leave it until the day of. That's cutting it a little too close for comfort, and some people put themselves at risk of forgetting. That can prove to be an even worse problem than you'd expect. On Valentine's Day 2012, police arrived just in time to restrain 22-year-old Kiera Reed. She had been using a knife to saw through her bedroom door to where her boyfriend was hiding. She was threatening to kill him for forgetting to buy her a Valentine's gift. While this may seem a tad dramatic, Reed is far from alone in her frustration. According to one 2019 survey, 53% of women say they would break up with their partner if they forgot Valentine's Day. That's a lot of pressure to put on a single arbitrary day. And lest you believe that only women care about tokens of affection, think again. In a survey of over 1,000 participants, Men actually expected women to spend more on their gifts than the average female believed her partner would be spending on her. These types of expectations create a strain on individuals in a relationship. 
Unless you pick the perfect gift, say the perfect thing, and plan the perfect date, you risk totally ruining Valentine's Day for your partner. And while most people aren't going to kill their lover over a less-than-perfect Valentine's Day, the expectations can easily poison the well. Add to this the fact that others appear to be having a better Valentine's Day, whether on social media or at the table next to you, and you can really feel like your relationship is a sham. For some couples, Valentine's Day causes their suppressed issues to bob to the surface. As you sit down to write a love letter, instead of thinking of romantic things to say, you may be flooded with a host of negative feelings. It's no wonder Valentine's Day initiates the number two season for breakups in the U.S., rivaled only slightly by the December holidays. Many partners wake up on February 15th feeling like a bomb has gone off. Instead of rekindling their romance, the failed holiday has left them totally disillusioned. The spike in breakups is seen in Facebook's profile updates. More people change their relationship status in the weeks before Christmas and the weeks after Valentine's Day than at any other time of the year. Which brings up another nefarious aspect of Valentine's Day. It tricks people into thinking they can postpone fundamental aspects of being in a relationship until the holiday arrives. As performance psychologist Dr. Jonathan Fader puts it, Bottling up all of our love for one special day doesn't allow us to practice the daily things like gratitude and affirmations that make relationships thrive. More often than not, partners may use extravagant dinners and gifts as band-aids for chronic relationship issues. In essence, Valentine's Day tries to cram a year's worth of affirmation into one superficial day. And that's just not how humans work. It's far more effective to spread smaller positive actions across everyday life. Yet every year, millions of people buy into the illusion. They believe that a few gifts and choice words can patch up all that is lacking the other 364 days of their relationship. And as the next Valentine's Day creeps closer, singles and couples alike are at it again. Defining their love lives by how they celebrate a single holiday with a less than reputable background. When it comes to love, Valentine's Day makes fools of us all. Thanks for listening to The Dark Side of. Next week, we'll be back to discuss the dark side of stalking. You can find all episodes of The Dark Side Of and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like The Dark Side Of, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream The Dark Side Of on Spotify, just open the app and type The Dark Side Of in the search bar. Several of you have asked how to help us. If you enjoy the show, the best way to help is to leave a five-star review. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. We'll see you next time.
The Dark Side Of was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of The Dark Side Of was written by Allie Wicker, with writing assistance by Kate Gallagher, and stars Kate Leonard and Richard Rosner.